Hi, this is Samantha Newark, probably best known as the voice of Jem and Jerrica from Jem and the Holograms, and you are listening to Hellions Talks. Almost live from a library near you, this is Hellions Talks, starring the masked library, Kevin Hellion. He is the lauder of the long box, the hero of the hall, and he's on a mission to bag and board them all. Now the Retro Network proudly presents a talk show of comic proportions. Welcome everyone to yet another edition of Hellions Talks. I am your host Kevin Hellions here. Uh, again, it's Christmas time, it's holiday season, it's very tough to figure out times for guests for my own life. I think I finished Christmas shopping today. But that is not the most important thing I did today. No, this is the full spoiler reactions to Spider-Man No Way Home. Again, this will be a fully spoilerized discussion of the brand new Spider-Man movie. If you have not watched it, if you don't want it ruined, please, by all means, pause the episode, stop it, delete it, and re-download it again later on after you have seen the movie. I am excited to talk about it, and I want to get some thoughts and feelings out immediately while this is fresh. So, once again, if you have not seen the movie, and you do not want it spoiled on you, we'll see you later, okay? This isn't like a a pause and come back, this isn't a fast forward, this isn't jump to discussing something else at the, you know, 10 minute mark or whatever. All I'm talking about is Spider-Man. (coughs) <coughs> okay everyone good everyone good there all right cool so uh through my local comic shop uh there was a theater rented out for the day uh about 50 or so of us were invited to go and it was all you know comic book fans there uh, i saw the guys that work at my local comic shop uh wonderful organized this whole thing and i was very grateful for it uh, saw a couple of familiar faces from the shop, and uh, unfortunately, I didn't know uh, many people. Everyone there seemed very cool, very nice, very interesting. Um, I I just didn't know anyone, but maybe this will be the first of many things like this that I will go to and and get to know people and and make some friendships and all. But I also was very excited to go into the theater watching it with this group here with people who love comics, love the movies, have seen all the previous ones, have a background for things. Um, I knew it was going to make a a very good experience. So uh, we start out, trailers of course, we get a Morbius trailer, we got a The Batman trailer. Um, Weird trailer for some uh, Valentine's Day uh, release of Jennifer Lopez and Owen Wilson new movie. That sadly actually didn't look that bad, <laughs> but uh, completely looks like a Hallmark movie, just a big budget version of one. So, you know, I, I'm getting into it. We got some superhero, you know, trailers and all. The Marvel thing, Marvel logo comes on. We start off with J. Jonah Jameson revealing the truth about Peter Parker, which was the last thing we saw in Far From Home, and then getting right into it. Uh, the the trailer 
shows you things, but does not show you things in the correct order, which should be expected. Um, the biggest thing I noticed in the trailer, the differences from the trailer to the actual movie, is when Wong has his bags packed up and is leaving through one of the magical portals, and he tells Strange Dot to do the spell, and Strange Doctor Strange kind of gives a little wink and a nod and a look. That doesn't happen at all. Wong pretty much says, "Just leave me out of this," which was a very interesting difference for it. But again, I'm sure that Wong thought the spell would be a bit more contained. So we have Peter and MJ rushing to get away from crowds trying to get away from everything end up back at uh peter and aunt may's apartment uh pete's there mj's there aunt may's there happy is there and then that's when it's surrounded by helicopters and the news is out and everything and no one knows what they're gonna do the police interrogate everyone uh not for that long really um really not you know the, that whole part of this the story there from the trailers, I thought it was going to be a good half of the movie. No. No, very quick. movie. The movie moves fast, too. Once stuff starts going, it doesn't let up. Uh, the Parker uh, family members and, and close friends there decide to meet with a lawyer. They say the lawyer is here. And brilliant, brilliant filming. You see the cane first, then it pans out, and it's Charlie Cox's Matt Murdock. And this was the first clap and cheer in the theater, and that's when I thought, I'm, I'm with my people here. I'm so excited to be seeing this movie with these people. Because we all just clapped and cheered, and we're so excited to see him come on screen. He's got a quick little reaction moment, uh, very cool for it, but also, you know, it... It's interesting uh, for people that might be watching the Spider-Man movie just on its own that haven't watched Daredevil or even aren't familiar with the Daredevil character. They'll say, oh, this is interesting. I want to know more. But it won't slow the movie down. Uh, they won't feel unfamiliar with things. But for all of us fans, it's it's a cameo, really. Um, it's a great cameo. It's a fun cameo, but it's a cameo. So we continue on, Peter going to school, trying to live a normal life. Uh, all three, Pete, MJ, and Ned, are told that uh, they're not going to get into MIT because of this. Peter feels responsible. And that's when he goes to Doctor Strange and says, hey, can you have everyone forget about, uh, forget who, that Peter Parker is Spider-Man. So, very interesting idea. We saw it from the trailer. He starts the spell. Things go crazy because Pete keeps saying, no, I, I want people to know. So then the interesting thing is, the spell goes haywire. It's a bit contained, but not entirely. But the, the parts that leaked out, the explanation is, anyone who knows Peter Parker is Spider-Man still knows it, which is the whole... MCU world because of J. Jonah Jameson but also certain other people from other universes who know Peter Parker as Spider-Man bleed into this one so that's the explanation for them showing up I'm like well that's that makes a hell of a lot of sense here um 
Dr. Octopus shows up first, which is that scene in the trailer. Very cool. Um, he starts figuring out, you know, what's, what's happening a little bit there. And he's confused. But kind of uh, playing along with it and very interested in the nanotechnology, which you see in the trailer when uh, his tentacles get a bit of the red to him. So Doc Ock is defeated thanks to that nanotech and some stark technology. Green Goblin shows up, but then all of a sudden, poof, everyone goes someplace else. This is when Doctor Strange re-enters the picture and says, hey, uh, this person's from another universe. We gotta get them back to their own universes here. Um, I'm gonna set up Spider-Man with some tech. By the way, I found this lizard guy too. He appears to have shown up. I got the two of them. We gotta find more. Okay. Peter goes out looking for more of them. Uh, Ned and MJ help him out. Doctor Strange is looking for more too. This is when we end up finding um, Electro and Sandman. So Doc Ock has a different look from that nanotech. Uh, Electro, the way electricity moves as a force in this universe is different than before, which explains the color differences. Uh, Electro also ends up playing around with some Stark tech that ends up changing his appearance. Stuff that makes all, a lot of sense, honestly. You know, they, they said, hey, these guys are going to look different, and here's why. All right, cool. Sandman pretty much looks the same. So now we got four of them all locked up. Aunt May gives Peter a call, says, hey, I found one of the guys that you were looking for that was mentioning. Norman Osborn, as Norman Osborn, not Goblin, uh, is wandering around. He sees a picture of Spider-Man attached to Feast, which is uh, Aunt May's uh, charity uh, homeless outreach program thing. Heads over there. Uh, he just seems like just another nutcase, but Peter understands he needs to get back. Everyone starts working on some tech to, to cure the bad guys, to figure out how to bring them back to their home universes, and that's when the villains get talking to each other and talking to Peter. Doctor Strange is there too, and we find out all of these bad guys have died, and they were kind of shuffled into a different universe right before their deaths were going to happen. And they don't want to go back, because if they go back, they're going to die. And Peter decides, if I send them back, I'm sending them back to die. So he takes this, uh, honestly, this kind of MacGuffin box back from Doctor Strange, runs away with it. Uh, he and Doctor Strange have this epic battle in a mirror universe thing, which is the crazy train battle that we see in the trailers. And Pete decides, uh, with honestly, with that man's influence, if I can get them back to their home, if I can cure them and send them back, then maybe they won't be bad guys and they won't have to die. Which is a noble thought. Um, but that's when the problems start taking place. Uh, he does a good job with Dr. Octopus helping him out. Sandman's always, you know, has been kind of a tweener uh, in Spider-Man 3, so he's figuring it out. Um, Lizard's just chill. <laughs> waiting for the perfect opportunity to unleash himself. Uh, Norman, Green Hit Goblin, comes back into control. Electro doesn't want to lose the power. He enjoys having this electric power. Uh, the bad guys take off. They take the confused bad guys with them. No one's sure what to do. Uh, 
we uh, Peter and MJ leave with the MacGuffin box. Um, Ned leaves with one of Doctor Strange's rings. Uh, Peter ends up in a awesome, violent, awesome battle with Norman Osborn. Uh, not the the way they did his costuming was very interesting because it's not you know we see the armored one at the start. But then we get like this rags and tatters, uh, green and purple pattern there. So it's still the Goblin's colors and still very much looks like Goblin. That explains our, our second Goblin glider in the trailer as well. Very well done. Very interesting angle on it. Uh, but Norman, Goblin, and Peter have this epic fight through this entire apartment building. Oh, very well done. Violent fight. Excellent work for it. And the thing that gets me is the Aunt May part. Like, Uncle Ben's already died. Tony Stark's already died. You don't have to kill Aunt May. I feel like we're in our... Uh, the the trap that some of the writers fall into, and it's, it's for comics, and it's the same as, like, well, Superman's boring, so what do we do? We have to darken him up and all. Um, you know, we we gotta make them grim and gritty. No, you don't. You just gotta be better Superman writers. And you can still have, you know, Lois Lane. You can still have Mon Pa Kent. You can still have Aunt May. You can still have these characters if you, you know, do a better job writing with them. And the characters can still have relationships and loves and family and everything. It doesn't all have to be tragedy nonstop. And I, I think losing Aunt May really loses a lot of levity to it as well it kind, of, it kind of bothers me i i feel it was completely unnecessary and the way that they talked about certain things for her like oh they're you know we didn't actually i mean we saw her die but there could have been a chance for uh son of a bitch i just realized something so anyways there could have been a chance for something coming in helping her out you know emts or whatever they say one body was found there could have been something done then and at the very end, we see Peter visiting uh, her grave. And as I'm talking about this, like, we saw her die, but we didn't really see her die. And we kind of have a whole uh, secret invasion show coming up here shortly. That would make a good one. That would make a really good one. That I think could fit pretty easily in there. You know, like when, like Peter left before she actually died. You could do some sort of gray area. Have her shapeshift into scroll, and the real Aunt May is somewhere else. And because of the spell, does not know that Peter is Spider Man. Might not even remember Peter exists, depending on the how the spell completely works out here. Wicked bothered me. We'll see where it goes. With with all these Marvel ones, um, I have to take them as a movie, and I also have to take them in chapters in this much larger story. And May thing for this movie alone, for the three Spider-Man movies, bothers me. But our Marvel story's not done. Our Spider-Man story's not done yet. Maybe something more happens. We shall see. Peter's all been out of shape. He's been all tragic loner. He's going off the deep end. MJ and Ned are just kind of waiting for him. They are not sure what to do. And Ned is just gesticulating with his hands. 
he still has Regis ring on his fingers. And he's like, I wish Peter would come back. And all of a sudden he opens up a little portal. And I'm very like, wait, what do you do? And he's like, I wish Peter would come back. And he moves his hands more and the portal opens again. And he says, okay, we need to focus. we got to actually do it. And he does an elaborate, you know, Doctor Strange movement. Said, I wish Peter would, you know, we knew where Peter was or Peter would come back to us or whatever. And we see a Spider-Man in a distance. They're like, it's Peter, Peter, come in, come in. And Spider-Man looks kind of weird and awkward and not sure of himself. But he, he's had a rough time. His aunt just died. Lots of things just happened. He comes running and everyone, like, you could hear the gasp. You could hear the wind just get sucked out of the room as we're all like, is this what we think it is? Is this happening? And as soon as the costume comes into focus, we're all like, oh my gosh. That's, we, we know that costume. Takes off the mask, and it is Andrew Garfield, Spider-Man. Amazing scene of like, are you Peter Parker, you're Spider-Man, prove it, gaining the trust, goofing around. And my kid had me watch Amazing Spider-Man 2 earlier this week. I had never seen it. I don't know how. I kind of think that life was just crazy when it came out. Um, I wasn't worried about seeing it. I figured I'd see it later, and later just never happened. And honestly, I didn't like the Andrew Garfield, the first one, Amazing Spider-Man 1, with Lizard. I I saw it and I thought, alright, you know, now I've gotten two Spider-Man movies in a row here I didn't like. I'm not going to spend my time watching a third here that I'm not excited about. But once I finally watched it earlier this week, and thankfully I did, as the movie continues, he might have, might be the funniest one of all three. I think he has great chemistry with certain people. I think he just has a certain levity and presence to him that I very much enjoy. And and that part of comic book Peter Parker's personality, I think Andrew Garfield plays better than the other two. Speaking of the other two, Ned starts doing his uh, magic again, trying to get their buddy Peter Parker back. Instead, here's another one. Tobey Maguire comes in. We're all going nuts. Yes, it's been rumored forever. Yes, it's been possible forever. But now it is here. It is official. Here are our Spider-Men. They all figure out together where our MCU Peter Parker is. They go to visit him. All the Spider-Men talk about their, their tragedies and their triumphs and what they've gone through and the lessons. And with great power comes great responsibility. And the fact that that one line has crossed universes is just this amazing moment there they say all right we're we're spider-man we can find a way to save all of them to, to to do this right and so they're all working on stuff and they all have that parker science background they're all doing great they're all getting along it's just so fun to see it. there's so many jokes of just you know peter and three people answer um, it, 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 for having Aunt May die and be saying you, you don't want grim and gritty Spider-Man the levity in this multiple Spider-Man scene was just so much fun entertaining as hell just a joy for it makes me glad I've rewatched some of those previous movies recently and, and just experiencing it um <laughs> Toby McGuire's organic web shooters and the other two freaking out about this and he didn't explain. Um, 
who who they are dating, who their girlfriends are, like just you know who their friends are. So many things and just inside jokes for the movies, and and things that seem comical now looking back, like now that we have the MCU and stuff done right to see some of the choices in these other ones and just playing it up and embracing them. Oh God, it was so much fun. So we go ahead and we we jump to the climatic battle of all of our bad guys versus our three Spider-Men at the Statue of Liberty. Statue of Liberty, which is being uh, added up to with a Captain America shield, honestly makes a lot of sense in that world. I, I can see the logic for it. Amazing fight. Actually, yes, an amazing fight. There's a scene with Andrew Garfield doubting himself, feeling like the lesser of the three Spider-Men. And Tom Holland and Tobey Maguire told him, you're amazing, you're amazing, you're amazing, over and over again. God, it's just so funny. Um, and that's a beauty for the Marvel things. We we get these, we get deaths, we get battles, we get tragedies, we get defeats and all, but then we get these funny, just hysterical, light, Easter egg, uh, fan service moments. They're so much fun. And part of the reasons we will always keep coming back for more Marvel for things. Uh, side note, Kate Bishop in the Hawkeye series has been amazing. Uh, Yelena uh, version of Black Widow, so funny in the most recent episode. It has been a joy and a thing that DC really has never figured out. Speaking of DC quickly though, uh, sorry just to double back, there's a moment where Flash Thompson shows his book detailing his friendship with Peter Parker and Spider-Man and he's just such a, a huckster and trying to put it in the face of everyone there and the fact that it is called Flashpoint has got to be a dig at DC as well um, for Flashpoint being a DC multiverse movie coming up next year in theory. So we're at the battle there. Um... A great way of just seeing the differences in the universes, the differences in how they fight, but the fact that they're all able to fight together. The scene of all three Spider-Man jumping up, going across the moon, and all landing on Statue of Liberty. As soon as more people have seen that this movie and The Secret's out, that will be a poster. Not in doubt in my mind, that will be, like, anywhere you could buy posters is going to have that scene readily available for everyone to put up on their walls. That's just that's art that's something that generations are gonna take out of this and remember fight is good the box blows up and the multiverses are crashing in on each other dr strange shows up and informs peter it's not just our universe it's not just once these people are from it is anywhere across the multiverse that knows peter parker is Spider-Man, and he won anything. And you get these fractures of reality happening, and there's there's images showing up in a few of them, and, and as people see the movie more, and you get the IMDb Easter eggs, and, and the YouTube videos and stuff, I'm sure there are characters silhouetted there that I didn't pick up on that are, you know, Spider-Man references from the comics. Maybe there's even references to other movies or cartoons or hell, Electric Company. You know? Um, we have the moment 
of... God, again, I'm so glad my kid had me watch Amazing Spider-Man 2. MJ falls. Tom Holland, Spider-Man, goes to save her. Out of nowhere, the Goblin's Goblin Glider comes in and just clips him and takes him away from it. He can't do it. And you see the look on Andrew Garfield, Spider-Man's face, of it's happening again. And he jumps and does it differently. But the scene is shot so close to the same as Gwen Stacy's death in Amazing Spider-Man 2. But this time Tom, or sorry, uh, Andrew Garfield Spider-Man catches her, saves her, and he doesn't even have to say anything. He just has this look in his eyes. And it's so much weight and emotion conveyed in that one moment there. I lost it. It was so well done. Um, he... I feel like the Andrew Garfield Spider-Man is maybe too tall, too lanky. He seems kind of awkward in certain situations for it. Uh, the hair's a bit goofy. But he might express emotion and love better than any of the other three. And and this moment in, in uh, No Way Home where he catches MJ's freaking fantastic uh another easter egg coming up here um as the villains are are cured are healed are, are made better um electro and andrew garfield have a moment to sit down and talk and his mask is off it's like man you're from queens and you do all this stuff i thought you were black <laughs> andrew garfield just apologizes for him like oh sorry dude he's like no 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 I can't imagine in one of these universes there's a black Spider-Man. Everyone in the theater just pop it. That was a great line for it. Um, and and honestly, one of my thoughts as these other realities were crashing in, I and I appreciated all the villains, and I appreciated Andrew Garfield and, and uh, Tobey Maguire being there. I was very happy with it. But I'm like, wouldn't it be crazy if we had... Someone in Miles's costume, you don't even have to unmask them because, in theory, we don't know who will eventually play Miles. Long shot, even if like Spider Gwen swung through, you know, like I or or because of these villains being plucked before death, like what if Gwen Stacy showed up, you know, or or um, Kristen Dunst, Mary Jane, like why why not? Like let's just expand it, but. That would have taken the focus away from the villains and the other Spider-Men there. It just, it would have been interesting for a little bit more. Doctor Strange is screaming, he can't hold it back. All these universes are going to collapse upon each other. And Tom Holland, Peter Parker, makes the ultimate sacrifice and says, make everyone forget who I am. Go ahead, because if you can do that, then our world and all these universes can be saved. And... Doc, he earns Doctor Strange's respect once again to do this. He agrees to it. He gives him a couple minutes to say goodbye to everyone. Our villains and our other Spider-Men go back to their own universes. MJ says her and Peter will... They'll realize it. They'll get back together one day. Something will happen. Worlds go back to normal. So we think. Spider-Man is seen swinging around a little bit later. He pops by, he sees Mary Jane, 
uh, working at MJ working at a coffee shop. Her and Ned have gotten into MIT. Their worlds are better. They don't know who Spider-Man is. They don't know who Peter Parker is. And he decides to just leave them be. That they're better off on their own. And he just... He moves into an apartment. He has to make another suit. He's living his life as Spider-Man. And... Yeah, he had to make, he had to make a suit. Because if everyone's forgotten Peter Parker's Spider-Man, that means that the tech that Tony Stark built for him would not know that Peter Parker's Spider-Man. That suit probably doesn't work anymore because it's not recognizing its user. So we get Spider-Man just, you know, hopeful. Hopeful for a future, hopeful to build stuff up and earn things again and see what's happening. And honestly, because the the word came out, you know, uh, within last week, Tom Holland supposedly is going to do three more Spider-Man movies. If he really only signed that deal this week, then that means this movie was made without knowing if they were going to still have him as Spider-Man. It's a closure. In a lot of ways, if this was the last Spider-Man movie and the next big, like, Avengers movie doesn't have a Spider-Man on their team, it makes sense. Like, this is absolute closure, not only for the three Tom Holland ones, but for Tobey Maguire and Andrew Garfield's Spider-Man as well. Like, this is it. Thank you guys for coming. See you later. And it's very good as a closure. If this is it, if this is the last Spider-Man, it's okay. It would be alright. I, I feel like everyone's journey and story is wrapped up in a nice little bow, and he's gonna keep being Spider-Man, and maybe he gets the girl back, maybe not, but he's gonna keep doing his thing and I would have been okay with all that too and I think in a way it's still kind of up in the air for what will happen with him um I I did enjoy I did enjoy everyone quote going back to normal and it being you know kind of the Parker luck in a way of I had everything and now, you know, I'm I'm starting all over again. It was interesting. Uh I did start wondering when he got his cheap apartment, if we we're gonna see what was her name, Ursula from uh Spider Man two and three, I believe. The girl that had the crush on Peter Parker and her dad was the landlord. I just thought it would have been interesting to throw her in there as a little cameo appearance for it. Not what happened, but I thought it would have been cool. Um, I I like Zendaya's MJ. I feel that they do have good chemistry there. Couldn't stand her in Homecoming. Really fell for her and believed their relationship in Far From Home and here in No Way Home. She's fantastic as a love interest, as a best friend, as a, as a balance for him. Um, everyone else is doing very well. Uh, sad scene with Peter and Happy. Honestly, much shock me if Happy's just kind of not around much more after this either. And, again, if this is just closure for Spider-Man, I'm okay with it. Makes sense. But is it? Who knows? We get our first post credit scene, which, if you saw Venom Let There Be Carnage, was a post credit scene in that as well. Eddie Brock is getting drunk in a bar, having the MCU explained to him as he has shifted over. And he's just getting drunk and he's finding out about Iron Man and Thanos and the Avengers and everything. 
And he says, all right, let's go to New York and meet the Spider-Man. And isn't that when the ripple effect of Doctor Strange putting everything right reaches him and he is sent back to his home dimension? So we get Venom, but we don't get Venom. But there's a little bit of symbiote left behind when he shuffles back to his universe. So who knows what will happen there. Maybe they combine eventually. Maybe we do get Venom. You know, this version of Eddie Brock and Venom meeting this version of Spider-Man. Who knows? The The crazy thing is, as far out as we know, Marvel, like, if there is more Spider-Man, that's like three years out, maybe four. We don't know what's coming for it. For Venom, we're not sure. For them crossing over, for whatever, don't know what will happen with the multiverses. Well, after all of the credits and the Made in Georgia and the musical rights and everything, we get damn near a full-blown trailer for Doctor Strange Multiverse of Madness. So, apparently Doctor Strange has not put everything right. He's going to have to work on it. He goes to the Scarlet Witch to Wanda for help. We see America Chavez making appearances in the trailer. Looks very cool. Looks very true to comics portrayal. And damn that ending there. Is that a version of Doctor Strange? I think it is. Because I watched all of What If, and that's very similar. And that would be amazing for the multiverse. But I'm kind of wondering if that's that version of Doctor Strange. Because if so, that's so messed up and so amazing. And I'm kind of hoping that uh, I get an opportunity like this again for Doctor Strange for opening weekend. Let's rent out movie theater. Let's all go see it as a group of geeks. Because if we're deep diving like that again, I gotta see that right away too. Um, for the last three days... For the last three days, I've avoided all social media because I did not want this movie ruined for me. I wanted it to go in completely fresh, which is funny because, uh, like, Thanos showing up in the end of Avengers. Uh, I knew, like, two weeks beforehand that was coming, but it made me more excited. I want to see the reaction in the theater to people like, oh, my God, Thanos is in Marvel now. This is, like, I can't believe we're doing this. We're, we're going crazy here for stories. Nothing's off limits. And... Most of the post-credits, I've known going into it what they're going to be, but all of the rumors and all of the hype and all of the debate over what was going to happen next for Spider-Man, I wanted to be completely surprised by this one. I'm so glad I did. I enjoyed the hell out of it. And that might switch my brain over. Um, Hawkeye Episode 5 earlier this week as well. I had avoided the internet, so Wednesday I got home, I put it on immediately when I once I got home, watched it straight through, and didn't have any of it spoiled for me. So the last little minute or two of Hawkeye, I was, you know, I, we all were sure it was going to happen, but we didn't know for sure, and to see it unspoiled really just made it that much better of an experience, more enjoyable. So I, I, I might change my my Marvel rules. Anytime a new Marvel thing comes out, I might just go full spoiler-free. No one bother me. I'll let you know when I saw it. But this... I, I have no clue where it's going. Financially, do more Tom Holland Spider-Man movies, of course. Bring in Venom. Have the two of them collide. We all kind of thought this was going to be a Sinister Six movie, which we got close, but it never quite happened. Um, I, I do kind of think Aunt May as a scroll would make a lot of sense, considering a lot of the people that 
she came in contact with and Spider-Man came in contact with really wouldn't shock me for it. Um, I would like to see more MJ, but honestly, you want to use this as a way to bring in an MCU version of Gwen Stacy? I'd be alright with it. Personally, uh, for the comics, now that we have Spider-Gwen, Gwen Stacy, who is younger, you can't have heard Peter Parker in the comics as a romantic interest. That version of Gwen Stacy is long dead and should stay dead. The new one is younger than Peter and it's more of a, a teacher-student mentor relationship. So honestly, if he has a romantic interest in Gwen Stacy at this point now in the comics, the Spider-Gwen version comes across inappropriately. I prefer, and there's a comic coming out uh, in January, I believe. I believe January. It's on my poll list. Mary Jane and Black Cat. I'm digging Mary Jane and Black Cat slash Felicia Hardy as sort of a Betty and Veronica for Peter Parker's Archie. Age appropriate, beautiful, different walks of life. Once a little bit of the bad girl, once nice and sweet. I would roll with that for a while. And I think Gwen, Spider Gwen version of Miles could be your updated version of the Peter and Gwen story and make a lot of sense. Just don't kill her off again because Spider Gwen's a pretty cool character. But how to translate all of that into the comics, though, too? Like, Tom Holland has to be older, sorry, Peter Parker has to be older than Miles to work that mentor relationship, but Tom Holland comes across so young, even though he isn't, he just comes across so young. So honestly, in the next round of movies, he will be that much older, maybe change the hair, the makeup, the style, something else to make him look in his 20s and not a teenager. So, an actual teenage Miles coming in does seem younger. And, no, it won't be, uh, like, into the Spider-Verse level of an adult teaching a, a kid, but it could be an older brother mentality for it. And that was one of the things with the three Spider-Men in here, for all of them to feel like brothers, like a kinship, like a family immediately, and a bond of, like, no one else is going to know what I've been through and the sacrifices I've made except for other Spider-Men, really. Uh, honestly, we got that Into the Spider-Verse sequel, part one, trailer. If we're possibly tied in What If, we could tie in Spider-Verse as well. Like, I, I, I don't feel there are any constraints on these movies or the story anymore at all. I I feel like this whole MCU, which was groundbreaking to start with anyways, of these movies that are going to be connected, but now I really feel like there is no limit. We can bring in cartoons, we can bring movies from technically other studios, we can bring in TV shows, and it's all this epic story. It's getting more and more crazy, more and more incredible. My, my dad calls me up uh, needing confirmation and clarification for things. He probably read stuff, uh, honestly, during the Silver Age. And so newer characters, he's just unaware. And he didn't even read every character. I'm not sure he knows who Daredevil is. I'm not sure he knows, you know, some other ones. He knows the big ones. He remembers those. But breaking down these details, I'm not sure. Uh, he's probably seen Eternals this week. And I know I'm going to get a phone call saying, explain them to me. Sadly, I didn't read the Eternals comics. So it's going to it's gonna take me a little while to do this as well. I don't know how I'm going to explain this one to him. Like, this is nuts. 
but what I was saying to one of my friends when I left the theater, and, and one of my friends had seen it uh, in a different state, so we were messaging and then got on the phone to exchange thoughts. So the first Tom Holland, or sorry, the first Tobey Maguire Spider-Man, I do remember the initial trailer, had the Twin Towers in it. So that movie must have come out in 2002, because they had to remove any Twin Tower stuff from the marketing and from the trailer, but the movie was nigh anyways. So let's say 2002, which means that was 20 years ago. And my kid is eight, so I'm picturing some eight-year-old going to see that first Tobey Maguire movie and never seeing a Spider-Man like that on screen ever before. And he's flying through New York City and he's swinging around everywhere and he has a good fight with Green Goblin and he has his jokes and he has his silliness and goofiness and Mary Jane's beautiful in it and you're eight and it's everything you want. And then you get to see two more movies with that guy. And then you get older and you get to see the two Andrew Garfield ones. And then you get the MCU ones. So you've spent 20 years of your life seeing the story of Spider-Man evolve and change as you have evolved and changed. Someone's watching it, say, 8 years old and now 28. As Spider-Man has changed and grown, you've graduated high school, maybe gone on to college, maybe found a permanent job, maybe started a family, maybe had kids. And then to go in and see this movie 20 years later, and it's like your entire life and childhood and all the pop culture and hero worship that made you is all on screen at the same time. There, there's going to be, there's going to be people crying for this. There's going to be people just overwhelmed with emotion of this is, this is my life all together and I didn't know I wanted it all together I didn't know it was possible to do it all together and now that I know it I love it and I will cherish this movie forever I can't wait I'm seeing it again on Sunday with my kid and I cannot wait to see it again like I almost I almost feel like I want to go and see it even a third time already which is crazy but I want that fix that experience again of other people reacting to this movie. I want the Daredevil reaction again. I want the Andrew Garfield and the Tobey Maguire reveals again. I just want people going, oh my god, and just hearing the gasp and hearing the the excitement for it all over again. Like, this is, a, it's a tangible theater experience. And I've only had a handful in my life. Uh, coincidentally, ones where everyone seems to be on the same page and super fans of a thing bringing it up to that next level if you can see it like the earlier the quicker you can see it because it's going to be mostly geeks <laughs> all seeing it as fast as we can i think the more enjoyable this experience will be for you and if you got any friends or family that were fans of the previous movies drag them along drag them along just to get their reactions to uh I, I, this is going to be like, you know, my, my kid constantly asks me what my favorite Marvel movies are. And the answer kind of changes, but my top ones are pretty much always the same. I think this is already on the top list because I can't believe I'm seeing it. I can't believe I'm seeing a movie studio trust the intelligence of their viewers enough to say we're going to tie in three movies 
three movie franchises, which include five movies that are not part of this at all. They're from different studios. Oh, by the way, in a cameo, we're going to tie in a TV show from a totally different studio, from a totally different service, too. And have references to other media and the comics here. Hope you could pay attention. Try to keep up for it. I can't believe we're getting this. So, again, I will put this episode up. Thank you for listening. If you've seen the movie, do not, you know, do not respond publicly uh, in a way that would ruin it for other people. And I think if you've seen it, and I know if I've seen it, the less people know, the better. The more that's, the more that they come come in and just see organically and enjoy it, the better for everyone. No one should ruin this movie for everyone. Just go in uh, as blind as can be for it and enjoy the hell out of it. But if you'd like to talk about me, go ahead. DM me on any of the social medias if I'm not following you already and we can't DM. Message me, say, hey, can you follow me so we can talk about this? Absolutely. Email me, Facebook friend me, whatever, so we can have a private conversation about this. Go into theories, thoughts, whatever for it. God, I'm ready. I, I I'm ready to go see it again. Uh as for this year, loved Shang Chi, absolutely loved it. Black Widow felt meh. It was average. I saw it. I checked off the box. Um, Black Widow's meaning a little bit more with the Hawkeye series, and I'm curious. You know, I feel like as the MCU continues, Willie will enjoy that Black Widow movie more. Same with the Eternals. There's a lot to set up. It was a lot throughout there in the world, and I'm taking it as a chapter of a longer story. Again, as we know more, I might like Eternals a little more. But right now, geez, No Way Home, and this includes Hawkeye and Loki and What If and WandaVision and everything else, I, No Way Home's probably the best superhero thing I saw this year. Um, I'm willing to sit down and think about that a little bit more, but right now... I think that's tops. And that's crazy because we got so much good stuff this year. So again, let me know your thoughts. Go ahead and follow me online at Mass Library. Thank you to the Retro Network for hosting this show as always. And I hope to continue with more of Helene's talks and guests and news and all sorts of other fun things in 2022. First up in 2022, January 2nd, Whitesboro, New York is the next event for New York Championship Wrestling. At the last show, Johnny Moran won the tag team titles with his partner, which means he's now the New York Championship Wrestling Heavyweight Champion and one half of the tag team champions. And on January 2nd, he will defend both titles. Can he keep both titles until January 3rd? Let's see. My kid and I will be front row. I would love to see new faces there and get the word out more about about this wrestling promotion i'm enjoying it they've made me feel like family from day one i want other people to share that joy with me just like i wanted other people share the joy of spider-man with me today thank you so much have a good time at theaters guys let me know if you see it more than once as well